Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today because we are going to be talking to Marty Machowski, and we're going to be talking about ancient psalms. Now, that's such a cool concept, and I want you to stand by because we're going to be having this most wonderful discussion. But before we do, I would like to thank our sponsor today. Today's episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. And for those of you listening on your computer, go ahead and go to Swanson swanson.com and you can look at their products look at all the different things they have on there they have 18,000 products you're not going to be disappointed and you can use promo code mamas20 that's m-o-m-m-a-s 20 mamas20 for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders over $50 now I want to tell you a little bit about Swanson products because I use them my favorite product that they have is their super stress be complex because as a single soul supporting mom who takes care of her 87 year old dad in addition to two kids three dogs and a partridge in a pear tree um, I have a lot going on and I get pretty wound up and the other product that I really like is the elderberry extract and I use that for my immune health and oh my gosh I forgot to tell you about their protein powder their protein powder is so good it's like chocolate ice cream delicious. You're not going to be disappointed uh, if you try that out. Now, Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins, supplements, food and beverage products, healthy home products, and self-care products for over 50 years. So they have a good track record. And they offer this full spectrum of wellness products for the mind, body, and home. And because I'm a single mom, because I'm soul supportive, I want to make sure that my money goes a long way. And I want to make sure that I'm getting what I'm paying for. So Swanson complies with both FDA and FTC standards, ensuring that consumers like you and I can trust that label information and the safety of all their products. They also are committed to purity and potency. And that means checking the raw ingredients all the way through to the final product and rigorously testing these products both internally and externally, meaning inside the company and outside the company, for purity and potency. Now, they carry over 18,000 
wellness products at a great value. You can pick up all your favorite health products there and discover some new ones. And they leave some money in your pocket. So you're going to want to check this out. Swanson Health ships orders all over the United States, Canada, and even internationally. So if you want to try any of Swanson's great products for yourself, use code MAMAS, like M-O-M-M-A-S-20, kind of like Motherhood Talk Radio, MAMAS20 for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders of $50 or more by checking out Swanson.com. Now, Swanson is spelled S-W-A-N-S-O-N, that's Swanson.com, promo code MAMAS20, M-O-M-M-A-S-20 for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders of $50 or more. You will be glad you did. Now, I have to tell you a little bit about this ancient Psalms book that I, I was looking at. And I got the author, I got a hold of the author, Marty Machowski, because this is such a beautiful book. I mean, I'm actually going to give it as baby gifts and holiday gifts because it has beautiful pages. It has glorious artwork. The Psalms are really, really good. It's written in a way that works for both kids and adults. And when you think about all the stuff we're going through, you know, we have some really hard challenges right now, especially our moms who are home with the kids. And this book called Wonderful Ancient Psalms Ever New uh, is really, really beautiful. It's a book. It's like a real book. It smells good. It feels good. The pages are are heavy, thick, glossy, and it's not one of those books that has every page crammed in it. It's actually visually beautiful, and I love the colors, and I love the sections, and it's one of those books that you could hand down, you know, from, from mother to child or, you know, to your nieces and nephews or, or you know, your grandchildren could look at it. It's that kind of book, and so I'm really excited to have Marty Machowski on today. So let's talk a little bit about Marty. And he's a pretty neat guy. He is prior military. He's a family life pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. And he's been a pastor or on the pastoral staff for over 30 years. So I think this guy knows what he's talking about. And I have in my hot little hands this beautiful book. And I have to tell you, every once in a while, I get a book that I'm going to stop for a minute and tell you how wonderful it is because you know I deal with tons and tons of authors and author interviews and there are comes across my desk maybe once or twice a year a book that is beautiful that is thoughtfully designed when you pick it up it has some weight to it it has beautiful beautiful illustrations the illustrations were made by a guy named Andy McGuire he won't be on the show today we do have the author though here and it's wonderful and ancient palms psalms ever new and I just have to tell you the paper is a good weight if you were giving this as a baby shower gift or you were giving it a holiday gift or something maybe for your children or grandchildren or even just for yourself Um, it makes a great gift. And I'm really into presentation with books. I like them to feel good. I like them to have a lot of care and consideration in this book. And I will tell you, I am a former editor, Marty, and I look for errors. I look for spelling errors. I look for dog legs, you know, things that are are left on here. And I was hard pressed to find any in your book. And I want to congratulate you on building 
such a beautiful product. And I'd like you to talk to us a little bit first. What was the inspiration for this? Because, and I want to just say to the audience, Martin didn't pay anything for me to promote this book. This book was sent to me by one of his um, one of his marketing people and said, you know, would you be interested in interviewing this guy? You know, I don't know him. And New Growth Press sent me this book and it's beautiful. And I really was surprised at how beautiful it was. So what was your inspiration for this, Marty? Well, Sandra, thanks for having me on your program. Uh, I wrote a book that Andy McGuire illustrated called The Ology. Uh, it's the study of God for young children. And, and so my goal there was to teach them about God, who he is. Mm-hmm. And in this book, a follow-up book, I wanted to help kids know how to talk to the God they came to know through my first book, The Ology. And so there's no better way to teach children how to communicate to God than through the Psalms, which are all prayers and praise to God. And so I wanted to put together a book that would be able to be relatable for younger kids so that they could benefit from the wonderful book of Psalms. Well, and I'm going to tell you something funny because, you know, I bought an adventure Bible for both of my kids when, you know, they were age appropriate and I read it more than anybody. And when I looked at your, you know, your, your Psalms here, now I know a lot of these Psalms, you know, I was raised with these and I've read them, but I will tell you, I got a deeper understanding, a deeper respect and a deeper connection to them because it's one thing to read them and reflect on them. It's another thing to have kind of a guide, have a different way of thinking, a different way of relating because we can interpret these, you know, many different ways. But when you get somebody who helps you by what I think more of the Socratic method, you know, when I look at some of your things, a lot of times you ask us to think about things. You ask a question, you know, so what about us? You know, do we pray? Do we learn Bible verses or go to church just because it's the right thing to do? Or do we do these things because we love God and we want to worship him? That was one of the things that I noted when I looked through your book and started reading some things because as a 50-year-old mother, I realized I was doing things a lot because I was supposed to because I was trained to, because it was habit, it was automatic. And it made me pause and stop and think and go, hmm, am I doing this because that's how I was raised, how I was trained? Am I doing it because it's automatic and it feels like habit? What kind of thought and connection do I have really? And when I journal at night, I journaled about that straight from your book. Because it was designed for children, but I will tell you, it's really, really good for adults too. Well, you know, uh, I wanted it, I wanted to simplify the ideas that we are presented with in the Psalms, but I I didn't want to uh, oversimplify. You know, I didn't want to to dumb it down. And that's a, that's a challenge. And I often have parents come to me and they'll, they'll kind of pull me aside like they want to whisper something to me. And they'll say, you know what? I was reading this to my kids, but I think I learned more than they did. Absolutely. And I think that's wonderful. It's never, 
never too late to learn. And as you learn things, one of the, the blessings of education is for us to fellowship over what we are learning. And what that does is it puts the teacher and the student in the same place. Yes. And, oh, you know what? And I read this. I thought about this. If we have a professor who's excited about what he's teaching, a teacher who's excited about their subject matter, it makes you want to learn what they know. And yet if someone's just talking down to you, just giving you information, it, it's not so exciting. So I wanted to excite parents and children alike. Yeah, well, you did. And I, the other thing that I really admired in this book, you know, as somebody who, who gets a lot of books and I read, you know, I read all the time. I read five or six books a week, you know, and I do scan them and I do highlight them is that your book has really good pacing. You didn't try to cram too much on each page and you didn't try to cram in everything to get it done in under 80 pages because of the print run. You know, like we see a lot of these things happening today, especially with print slash picture books, because this is like a print picture book. Um, you know, it's, it's many things. And when you open it up, the first thing that you're struck by is these magnificent illustrations. I mean, they are really pretty. And then how they coordinate with painting a picture in your mind while you read, how long did this book take to complete? Because this isn't something you threw together overnight. Well, Andy McGuire took a full year to complete the illustrations. And uh, I would say we were three months in back and forth editing to, to actually get to the product that you see. Um, the manuscript I submitted was probably a full, I, I would say 25 pages more mm -hmm. than what you see. And, and so while there were a few Psalms that we gave multiple spreads to because of their import, like Psalm 22 is like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we really just cut down so we could get some white space on the page. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Uh, I've learned, I love what I write far more than I should. And the best way to make good writing is to let some of it fall to the floor. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. It but we tough. did. I, so I took me uh, a solid six to nine months to write uh, and get it to the place where it could go to editing. And so it's really a full two year hard work process from uh, the time I started putting pen to paper till what you have today. Mm -hmm. Well, and it shows, you know, because there's there's little things that say to me as a reader and as a, you know, almost 20 year radio host and, and seeing, you know, I get probably 50 books a week sent to my company for me to examine and look at and say, who do I want to have on, you know, and include and the use of font, the use of color, the use of white space this is a really pretty book. You know, I, I'm not, not trying to, you know, negate any of the wonderful things in here and all your writing efforts, but the pages are pretty. It's a visual treat. So if you love the artistic flair that is really, it's really lost a lot in the current kind of self-hybrid publishing community where we don't create books of art. And this is yeah. one of those books that I will highly endorse because it is 
a work of art as well as honoring, you know, some of the great Psalms and some of the, some of the things that help you go deeper without effort. Mm. That was well, one you know, of the cool things. Andy McGuire has a technique for his illustrations where he lays down a watercolor wash and then on top of that watercolor mm -hmm. wash, he pencils with colored pencils. He draws with those. And so the, the, the pencils pick up the tooth of the paper and give a, kind of a timeless classic look. And yet the washes bring in color that the colored pencils by themselves would never be able to deliver. And That's so it why. really is a classic looking illustration that I simply love. It is. It harks back to the, if you guys remember um, Ludwig uh, Beelman's book, Madeline, or Curious George, the original. You know, the original um, that looked kind of like a pencil sketch, but they have a depth to it. It definitely has that beautiful richness to it. You know, I have some some framed um, from my childhood book, my Madeline book, you know, in an old house in London, all covered with vines as uh, 12 little girls in two straight lines. They left the house at half past nine. The youngest one was Madeline. You know, that was what I got my, it down. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I can do it in English and Spanish and French. Um, <laughs> But when I when I look at my original books from those days, I still have them. I, I moved them out here from New York, my boxes and boxes of books. The pages were thick and luscious. The colors were rich. And even though the colors had faded a little bit in the 30 years or 40 years that I'd had this book, um, it got all beat up. And so I took some of those prints in that book and framed them because they're such beautiful works of art. And I think book lovers will find that same attention to detail, that same artistic quality. I wish you guys, this is, this is um, audio, but the page borders change colors. You know, they're kind of a slate blue and then they're burgundy and then they're red and then they're, you know, kind of a, a heavy peach and a, a hunter green. Um, I mean, just little details like that, that are so delicious. And there's two, two uh, illustrations. This one just is my favorite and the kids loved it too. And it's about, you know, Psalm 54, God protected David from Saul and it's two snakes. Now we live in the Southern California desert in Los Angeles, but when I saw these snakes, I'm like, it reminded me of one of those old Audubon books. It's on page uh, 80, if you're following along. Um, it's so beautiful that that could literally be like a California postcard, if you like, you know, for herpetologists. <laughs> but well, I, I Andy McGuire is so good with animals. You'll notice that whenever he can, he'll like to put in uh, an animal into uh, what he's doing. And he does such a fantastic job with them. Absolutely. Well, and I just think, you know, it, the writing works with the artwork. And that's one of the things too, that, that I really appreciate. And I love your clear 
well-spokenness. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but that's what what came to mind. It's it's just, it's very easy to read and it, and it falls off the tongue. I'm just going to share a little bit with you, you know, and it says, whether we are young or old, we need God to protect us and help us when hard things happen. We might have to deal with sickness, trouble with family and friends, and we also may have a few enemies. And when we run into troubles in life, we can turn back to the Psalms for comfort and find our hope in God, just like David did. Like, how much clearer and beautifully written can you make that? It's a very simple statement, and it resonates whether in my house we go from 8 to 87. I take care of my 87-year-old veteran dad. Everyone can get something from that. If you read this at your dinner table, if you read it as bedtime stories, whether you read it, read it to your kids or leave it on your table, which is my trick, Marty. I don't ever push a book on my kid, but I will leave books around the house. And it's amazing how they pick them up. Oh, you know, I, I love parents who are purchasing books in this screen time world that we live in and putting them out for their kids. That's a great way to do it. Kids won't read books if they're not there. And it's not quite the same to, uh, you know, I, I love Kindle. I have certain books that I, I read, you know, online uh, electronically, but there is nothing like holding a book in your hands. And there's an experience of interacting with this timeless uh, genre of learning in the physical book. And so I, I applaud parents Go to the library, get books for your kids, purchase books. They are treasures that, uh, as you said, you hang on to the, your whole life. You've got oh, your yeah. Madeline book. They're my uh, friends. Now framed on the wall. Yes, they are my friends. There are books that I have read over and over that have become like friends. And I will tell you, I'm a huge Audible customer. I'm a huge Kindle customer. I think I own... One, two, three, four. I have five Kindles. They're all loaded up with different things because sometimes you want picture books and cookbooks. And then I have my massive Oasis that has every book that I've ever bought digitally. But I will tell you for certain books, Marty, I like to buy, I have bought the print, the digital and the audio. And the reason being is that there are times when you want to reference something and you can flip through the pages faster than you can find it digitally. I know you can search for things. It's just not the same. But because I travel and work a lot and I have two kids and I'm a single mom and I'm on the go, my Kindle or any sort of e-reader, Amazon has not paid for any sponsorship of today's show, neither has Audible, but I do thank Audible because they do sponsor a lot of my shows. Those e-readers can be kept in your car, kept in your purse, kept in your backpack. And you always have a book with you without breaking your back. And then finally, what I find in an era of screen time, Marty, is that we spend a lot of time looking at a screen. I know I do. Six, nine hours a day as part of my radio work. So the last thing I want to do is read a screen. And many times my eyes are tired by the end of the day, and I don't want to read a book. I want to read the book, but my eyes are tired. They're dried up. They're kind of fallen half open. You know, that kind of thing where you're just, your eyes are tired. So I fill up my bathtub. I put my A-L-E-X-A on, because I have one here in my office. If I say her name, she'll start talking to me. And (laughs) I will go to Audible, and I will pick up in a book 
where I left off. Because a lot of times you can buy the audible version or the audio version for just a couple dollars more. And those $2, so I spend $8 for an audible book and then $10 or, you know, I buy the physical copy and then $2 more for the audio copy. I can still have a reading experience, but it's a listening experience. And one of the things that happens with that is I get to hear the inflection of the author. Generally, I like to really buy them if the author reads them. If the author doesn't read them, it's great. There's a, you know, a sound voice person doing that. And that's always nice. But you kind of get a different, you get a different relationship with a book when you hear it read by the author. Remember in the old days, you used to go and get an author reading at like Barnes and Nobles or, you know, one of the bookstores, you could listen to the author read something. Well, we don't have that these days. So to be able to listen and hear the emphasis that the author puts on certain things, it does give you a different feel. I think you're right. I really enjoy listening to books that are uh, read by the author. Um, kind of like I love songs that aren't just a singer singing somebody else's lyrics, yeah. but when a, when a singer writes their own song, I'm like, there's something special about it because they sing it with passion that is original, not... Right not put on. And I think that's what happens with authors when they read their books. They, they read them with the passion that they wrote them for. Yes. Yes. And there's an emotion, you know, I'm listening to, um, uh, I'm listening to a Kabbalah. Uh, it's just something that was given to me for one of my other shows and they gave me the book and I was like, Oh gee, I don't, I don't feel like reading this. <laughs> and then I look over on Amazon and there was an Amazon version of it in, in Audible. So I'm like, great, I'll listen to the Audible. And I've been listening to it while I drive. And I was, I was so grateful that we have different ways to enjoy books because your eyes get opened with everything you read and you can take a, you can take a journey. You know, sometimes the, in your book, the Psalms will bring me back to a time that I didn't live in, but I could envision. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty neat. Like, you know, the time traveling that goes on with books. I think that uh, it's interesting in some of the Psalms in the, uh, the attribution, it'll tell you what the Psalm is connected to. Like Psalm three, uh, when, you know, David was on the run from his son, Absalom. So you, you go in the Bible and you read that story and you realize, my goodness, what would it have been like yeah. uh, for David? His very own son had manipulated the people and drawn them to himself, made David look like he didn't care by intercepting the people with problems before they got to uh, see the king. And then gathered to himself an army and went on the attack toward his dad. I think, oh my goodness, you couldn't have much greater trouble than that. So to know that story is connected to that Psalm. And we know definitively when there's an attribution that makes that connection, it can make, it can make you uh, not just read the Psalm, but go back into that story, back into that day and, and experience it almost with David. Right, because what's what's the point of reading if you're not having an experience with the material? Because we want to learn for sure. We want to understand for sure. But if we can enact the emotion and be part of the process, I think it touches us in a very different way. 
Yeah, it does. And I think it has a lasting impact. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I would love to remember everything I read. <laughs> uh, I forget so far more than I retain. But it's those deeper experiences with writing that helps me to remember when it has an effect on me emotionally and deeply. Sure. Uh, it, it has that kind of an impact that you remember it into the, into the rest of your life. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, when you have an emotional connection to something, it just strikes so deep and you don't ever forget it. I remember as a little girl, um, my mom was, was uh, Eastern Orthodox. My father had a Jewish lineage, was raised Protestant when they came here to the country. My uncle Carrie was a Baptist pastor. And before my mom got married, she was um, planning to be a nun. So we had lots of different viewpoints in our household, lots of different robust discussions. And I remember just a very simple, this isn't a Psalm, but it's vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And mm -hmm. I remember... I don't remember the situation, but I remember somebody was teasing one of my siblings at school and we were all scheming to how to get back. And the one thing that everybody could agree on from all of their different belief systems, their religions, their whatever, was that it was up to God to handle this and for us to let him handle it. And that was such an emotional time for me because I wanted to go and beat the crap out of this kid. You know, he was, <laughs> I was his youngest sister, but how dare you pick on my big brother? You know, he stuttered. And so it was about stuttering and, you know, the younger ones wanted to go in and throttle this kid. And that emotional anchor that we all felt about that time. And when I went through a pretty fractious divorce um, 10 years ago, I held on to that again and again and again. Don't retaliate. Don't respond. Don't throw things back. Don't do this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I kept saying it over and over. And you don't know what those little, I call them bumper stickers in life, you know, a little bumper sticker, what's going to stick. So you have to look for the experience in reading because I do think it'll anchor with you forever. And you know, uh, what you see in the Psalms, is you see men's travail, their raw thoughts, their cries to God. Um, they are in those difficult situations mm -hmm. and they're crying out to God for deliverance. And so, so emotionally written uh, when, when we're struggling, when people as a pastor, when people struggle, I take them to the Psalms mm -hmm. and, and say, find a friend here. Find a friend here in the Psalms uh, who can, who's gone before you, yeah. who's found God in the midst of their crisis, who's found rest in God in the midst of their crisis. And that's something we want to teach our kids from a, a very young age. Mm -hmm. uh, their, their challenges may not be quite as large as some that you mentioned that you experience as an adult, but, you know, somebody bullies them in school. Right. That's a hard thing for a kid. Right, somebody that's like a lie. Yeah. The, uh, somebody gossips about them and tells something that's not true. That can devastate a child. Yes. And, uh, you know, rather than hate, mm -hmm. take your hurt to God and, and, and offer it to the Lord, mm -hmm. knowing that he, A, cares for you, 
and B is your protector and your uh, your strong tower. And so I, you know, I think that's one of the wonderful blessings of the Psalms is they aren't just these all night, nice, cute, rhymy kind of, uh, you know, sweet poems. Um, they tell real life challenging stories. Mm-hmm. And how to, how somebody walked this path before you. You know, I yes. think that's really important, especially even just for the, like the cognitive support of going, okay, I'm not the first person to go through this. So I'm going to look for support. I'm going to look for this. And then I'm going to find what I call peace and chaos. You can find some peace and chaos if you rest within your faith. Absolutely. I I have, uh, I wanted to, 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 picture some dramatic things so uh in uh psalm 109 the the title of that it's on page 147 god stands ready to help yes and and you've got someone who's stolen an armed robber has stolen uh presumably a bag of money from a a a clerk a shopkeeper and you know um that's a pretty dramatic thing to include in a children's book yes but it's kind of it's a universal uh, image. You know, kids understand robbers. Sure. It, it, you know, thievery is something that, that they can, uh, they, they will unfortunately likely experience before they're an adult. In well, one sure. I mean, it's as simple as somebody steals their pen or their calculator or their lunch exactly. or their, you know, it starts at kindergarten. So, you know, in this book, I didn't want to soft pedal those tough issues. Yeah. I wanted to address them appropriately for children yeah i mean and it's you know unfortunately we live in an era where the bad things that happen are all over media you know isn't that true all over and that was one of the things you know when my kids were young and really young you know i'm talking three four five years old it was fine for me to shut off the television to limit their exposure in the house But the problem was, Marty, is when I went to the grocery store, when I went to get gas, you know, there's all those little kiosk televisions that are playing the news, they're playing things, you know, they're playing objectionable things that aren't healthy for little ones to be watching. And unfortunately, we cannot protect our kids anymore from a lot of this, because even if we keep the cell phones, keep the tablets, keep the televisions off, all this stuff, all it takes, like with my kids, they went to the park. One of their kids, this was in sixth grade. He had a cell phone. He had his dad's cell phone or mom's cell phone. What does he do? He turns on porn and shows all the other kids. Yeah. Despite our best efforts, we cannot raise our kids in a bubble like in the seventies and sixties when you just didn't have all of this at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me that kids would have easy access over telephones to pornographic images at the touch of a button, uh, you know, I would have been like, you're kidding me. Right. That's going to be a a terribly crazy world to parent in. And guess what? It's a crazy, terrible world to parent in. And in spite of your your most vigilant efforts, you know, things can happen. Even like my daughter was, uh, she was uh, 
searching on a um, electronic device and it had just updated. And when it updated, it opened up the internet again. And so she wasn't looking for bad things. Um, she got a few words mixed up in her search mm. and she searched for something and just a slew of women without clothes on came up at that search. And, uh, you know, luckily she came to talk to us about like, look what's going on with this. Right. And we're like, oh, how did the internet get turned on? We had it turned off. And well, you know what? The update redid the settings and sent us back to like, you know, almost like factory. And uh, we were astonished here. You're, you're trying to do your best job, right. but it's just not that easy in this, um, you know, connected world. Right. Right. And so it requires a different set of parenting skills because they're not, you know, my teenage brother hiding a playboy in the trailer, you know, that, that, you know, is the limited thing. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And it comes up whether you, like you said, whether you choose it or not, there's been times that I have, I'm working and I, some ad comes in, it's this triple X thing that pops in out of nowhere. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's more just an accepted part of digital life these days than not. And you know what, uh, a 13 to 15 year old boy is not going to know it's unwise to click on, you know, uh, find your foreign bride. Right. And, you know, it, and that just is like a portal into other things that are completely unhelpful. So, yeah, I, it's really a challenge. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging world to parent in for sure. Well, and that's why, you know, some of these things that harken back to a different time when things were simpler and um, sweeter that's one of the things that I felt, you know, with your book, that it felt like that. It gave me that comfort. It gave me that peace. It gave me that connection to a really beautiful book that can help me navigate whatever it is that I'm navigating and anybody who picks it up because it is a tool. It is. One of the things that I wanted to include is the fictional story that weaves in and out of teaching the Psalms. Mm -hmm. So I have the story of Oliver. Oliver goes to live with his grandfather um, because his grandfather is dying mm -hmm. uh, and his family is now going to the grandfather's home to care for him in his last year. And uh, Oliver discovers the book wonderful in his grandfather's study Mm -hmm. and takes it off to read. The grandfather sees the books missing, goes out to find his grandson. And then they share this book together. And, and what kids get as they read it is they get a view of how Oliver, the fictional character in the story, learns from his grandfather how to connect the Psalms to his life, how they can help him in his sadness and grief as his grandfather finally does pass in the story. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's my hope that that story can help connect kids with in, in real life 
-hmm. with the abstract learning idea that the Psalms can help you by seeing this fictional character be helped by the Psalms. So they see how it's done while they're learning how to do it. Right, right. And it's modeling, you know? Exactly. I mean, and anybody can go back to, you know, like I wanted a big red dog and I wanted to name him Clifford, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted a pet monkey and Curious George, you know? And those are very, you know, whimsical examples of it. But I remember Madeline in the bad hat and Madeline walking on the bridge and fell into the Thames or wherever she fell. And, you know, I learned from there not to walk on ledges where, you know, there could be danger. And it was just a very simple modeling. But why wouldn't that work for bigger, bigger and and more life affirming or evolving or or validating uh, tools? Yeah, I like to take. You know, we when we think of children, we think of books that teach them things and we think of storybooks. And what I've enjoyed doing is blending the two together so that the story keeps kids interested and the teaching provides the learning experience that not only uh, the character in the book, in the fictional story learns, but as you say, through that modeling Mm-hmm. they pick up and then have a sense about how they can uh, walk it out in their own life. Right. Because nobody likes to be lectured to. Let's be honest. I mean, think about, you know, anybody listening today, if all we were sitting here, Marty is saying, okay, you know, we're going to open to read Psalm 92 worship in the songs, read, read, lecture, 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 done. Like nobody wants that. We want a dialogue. We want to experience. That's the whole thing about the feelings that, you know, I wax poetic about your book because from the time you open the cover, it evokes a mood. It creates a feeling. And that's, that's a really hard thing to do in a day of digital immediacy to slow down. Yeah. I think, you know, when I look at books today, some of them look plastic. Yeah, and I I really did not want that. I wanted something that would be more timeless so that uh, I just, you know, you talked about valuing the quality of the materials and the the graphic beauty of a well-designed page, but you put them all together and by God's grace, if you're able to accomplish it, accomplish it. I think we did here. You get something that's a bit timeless. Yes. And and will be good. I'm hoping, you know, I'm not going to live forever. My children, my are going to have children. They're going to have children. My great grandchildren, I pray one day will be opening this book with the same joy that people today read it with. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the things, Marty, you know, I've moved a lot in my lifetime and my biggest weight is always my books. And so when I move, I have to make certain that I keep only the hard copy books that I love. And I will unequivocally say this one's a keeper. This is one worth keeping and carrying through because you're right. It does have that timeless quality. It does have, it's a work of art. It's a work of literary art. And that is not something, you know, like I said, when we open the show that comes across my desk very often, I get a lot of slick runs. I get a lot of books that haven't been edited properly. They have grammar errors. They might have continuity errors. They might have mistakes and, 
if you're going to ask me to give you my money, but more importantly, give you my time. See, I can always make more money, Marty, but I can't get more time. And when I read somebody's book or I'm preparing for an interview and it's not done adequately and it's not done with care and joy and love, I think to myself, well, you know what? Why would I give my time to this book? Why would I give my money to this book? And I will actually tell the authors, like, you know, go back and edit your work. And when you clean it up, then we can talk. Because I also can't give my endorsement to the people who trust me to bring products to my radio shows if they're crap. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. And, and that's a tough thing. You know, uh, as you can imagine, as an author, I'll, I'll get people who ask for my endorsement of their books. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to help new and aspiring authors by giving endorsements. But my endorsement would mean nothing if I gave it to everybody, no matter what their book said or did or how it was produced. So I try to reserve that endorsement like you're uh, bringing people on to your program mm -hmm. for those folks who I can honestly say, uh, everybody out there, get this book. Right. If I, if I can't say that, then I'm not really being honest. Right. Well, and if I can't give this as a gift, you know, like to me, this is a wonderful holiday gift. It's a wonderful baby gift. It's a, I think it's the best baby gift ever. Like, you know, I just think, you know, to give this with a blanket, it would make, you know, just a beautiful baby gift um, to a young family or to somebody who's just adopted. I mean, things like that. If I can't give it as a gift, then I'm not going to put it on my show because I can't stand behind it. And I think that goes a lot to the author's integrity to their care and to their production. Because one of the things that I really was struck by this book, Marty, is it's a labor of love. Nobody takes this amount of time, this amount of care. You said the illustrations took a year. How long did it take for you with the writing and from the really from the time you had the concept of this? Well, I would say that uh, it took me, a, I would say nine months to write, but before that, there's a lot of study that goes in because uh, uh, well, I didn't have to study to do the fictional story part of it, but I did have to study the Psalms. Yeah. And so going through volume after volume of uh, Psalm commentaries, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. And I felt like I needed to have a sense and a feel for that volume of work uh, before I got started mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just too easy to write stuff down that uh, is like your, your, your uh, sudden inspiration from what you read. And, and that could be good. That could be uh, something you want to share, but uh, it could also be completely wrong because you didn't study to know exactly how the, the words translated from the Hebrew into the English missed the point. Right. And so you could, you could be arguing an English point that doesn't exist in the Hebrew. Right. And, and, you know, that's not often the case, but, you know, their words don't always translate directly through from one language to another. And so 
getting a feel for looking into to see can actually make that statement. You know, there's, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole curiosity around the Psalms that Asaph wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Asaph was a singer songwriter uh, in the, in the days of David, whose uh, family served at the temple and David charged him with prophesying to the, in song. And so he's, he's spoken of as a prophet and many of the Psalms are attributed to him next to David. He's got the most Psalms in the book of Psalms. The challenge in some of them is that it appears that they are describing uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. And so the question is, did Asaph actually write these songs or were they attributed to Asaph and were written by his descendants or mm -hmm. other people in the same kind of feeling? And so you, you got to start thinking like, holy moly, I didn't realize I had this kind of depth of controversy I have to negotiate right. to figure out what I'm going to say. And, and, and so, you know, the study part of that is hours and hours and hours as well. So I would say, you know, put an, a year and a half in for what I did to produce it before editing. Right. And then a year for it to be illustrated. And while it's being illustrated, we're going back and forth on the edits to determine, okay, what do we cut? Right. Uh, because as you said, if you want to have one page that has a verse from the Psalm in beautiful script in color, and you've got a page and a half of text, it can only fit on a page. So now you got a half a page of text. Sure. You got to decide what am I going to eliminate? Yeah. And that's a challenging uh, task that takes time. Yeah, but you know what? It's a good challenge and it creates really good work. You know, my background um, before I went to business school was journalism. And I have a <clears throat> journalism degree from Northwestern University. And they taught us one really important thing, which I've, I've held with all of the, the books that I've worked on and, and interviewed people on is a simple statement. If your mother says she loves you, check it out. <laughs> and that's what you're talking about. Like even your very own mother, if she says she loves you, check it out. So everything you put down, everything you write, especially something as important as this, because you are really a speaker on behalf of what is in the Bible. Yeah. What other more important work could there be to check it out, to check out the Hebrew to English, the, you know, Greek interlinear, you know, looking at all these different tools that we have today to make sure that what we're saying, what we're teaching is valid. Absolutely. And you know, one of the wonderful things about going back into the Psalms is seeing the places where they connect to the gospel story of the New Testament. So you look at Psalm 22, for example, it, it, it is such, uh, has such details of the crucifixion that you would think it had been written after the crucifixion, not before. And, and helping parents connect the Old Testament to the New Testament in seeing the unity in the Bible, the, the singular purpose to, to share the story of Jesus is, is a wonderful thing to be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what is your hope that, you know, as we get to close to the end of today's show, what is your hope that people will have picking up this book? Well, I, 
want parents to see it as a tool to help their children know how to pray and talk to God through good times and bad. It's one of those books that's an equipping book for difficult moments so that when you take your uh, six, seven, eight-year-old and you, you share this book together, or like you said, leave it out for them to discover on their own, uh, you're doing something far more than going through a storybook and learning about a part of the Bible. My hope is that you're equipping your son or daughter to know where to turn when someone they love gets sick and they, they learn for the first time about death in a personal way. Mm -hmm. Or when somebody treats them poorly, um, whether that's bullied in school, gossiped against by a friend, uh, lied to uh, by a peer, um, they have a, a sense, you know what, maybe I should talk to God about this. And in the quiet of their bedroom, they begin experiencing a relationship with God, finding comfort in talking to him. If we can help our children connect to the Lord, well, what greater uh, treasure, what greater uh, legacy can we leave them? And so it's my hope that this book would help you as a parent to do that for your kids. Love that. Love that. And what greater tool, you know, we can sit there and push our kids in mathematics and calculators and all these things, but this is like a spiritual calculator that you can help your children to solve their problems. We'll be back again next week. You guys want to check this book out. You can get it at new growth press com. You can also find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. The title is called Wonderful. It's Ancient Psalms Ever New, and it's written by Marty Machowski, and that's spelled M-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. No, uh, nothing was paid for this interview today. It was just a beautiful, beautiful find. I was so grateful for it to come across my desk. And Marty, and please convey to Andy too how much. I really admire the work and the craftsmanship that went into this book. We'll be I'll back again. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.